Jerusalem, Jerusalem, next year, Jerusalem. These are the final words of the Passover Seder and the last words that Jesus might have spoken if he had lived in our present age. But instead, Luke records Jesus' last words, Into your hands I commend my spirit. As the three Marys and the beloved disciples stood at the foot of the cross beneath Jesus' body, that is, the holy cross of Jesus, before he died for our salvation. Tonight I have some questions for you to think about. What does the cross of Jesus mean to you? How do you carry your cross? Is it a piece of jewelry that you wear around your neck? Is it a small white decoration in your front dooryard? Or is it a sign of God's grace and of your salvation? The cross itself is really nothing magical. It will not keep you from evil, nor will it exorcise demons or protect you from evil spirits. The cross itself has no power. Even the cross that Jesus was nailed to was just a tool for Roman execution and punishment. It is, however, the significance of the cross, not what it is that you can see, but it is what it represents. At the heart of the city of London is Charing Cross. All distances across the city are measured from this central point. Locals refer to it simply as the cross. One day, a small child became lost in the bustling city. A police officer, or a bobby as they are referred to in London, came to the child's aid to try to help him find his family. The bobby asked the child a variety of questions in an attempt to discover where the boy lived. But this was to no avail. Finally, with tears streaming down the boy's face, he said, If you will take me to the cross, I think I can find my way there. Hmm. What an apt description of the Christian life. The cross is both the starting place of our new life in Christ and also the place we must return to time, time again, to keep our bearings in life. So then, once again, what is the significance of the cross? Why do we make such a big deal over it? Ed Jarrett writes, The significance of the cross is twofold. The first is as a symbol. The cross symbolizing the atoning death of Jesus and what he did for my sins and the sins of the whole world. Jared writes, When I see the cross, it reminds me of the sacrifice that was made for me. Many of us wear crosses. I wear a deacon's cross. I wear a daughter of the king cross. I wear a small gold cross. I wear a green cross made of Venetian glass that two wonderful parishioners picked up for me while they were vacationing in Italy. I wear a wooden cross during Lent. I wear a beautiful Jerusalem cloth with diamond parve that my husband purchased for me for my birthday a few years ago when we visited Bethlehem. But for me, it's not just a piece of jewelry. It is a visible reminder of what Jesus has done for me. Jared continues that while he is just, it is just a piece of wood or metal or stone, it helps him to humble himself 
before the one who died for him. But the most significance of the cross is that what it actually happened when Jesus was hung on it and died for our salvation. This was a hard event, the crucifixion. Jesus was an innocent man who was cruelly put to death by the Romans as they were egged on by the leadership of the temple. But on the surface, the reality is really what happened on the cross. The gospel stories of Matthew, Mark, and John tell us what happened 2,000 years ago. But it is the Apostle Paul that helps us see what really is hidden from human eyes. In Colossians, Paul writes, When you were dead in your sins and in on the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Can you imagine what it looked like for those watching Jesus' crucifixion? They probably thought that evil had won the day and that Jesus was defeated. The charges that were brought against him were nailed to the cross above his head. Then his last breath was gone. In the kingdom that was to come was thwarted. Those at the cross were deceived in that the exact opposite became true. It wasn't just what could be seen, but it was by the Spirit that Jesus defeated the power and the authority of evil. The charges brought against Jesus revealed many things. It was those charges against me that were nailed to the cross. Therefore, Jesus lost his life He laid down his life for us. God had given Jesus a specific task, and that was to do exactly this, to lay down his life on behalf of the whole world. This was, indeed, Jesus' plan. The beating, the torture, the blood, and the ridicule. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. The 10th chapter in John's Gospel reads this way. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know my Father. Lay down my life for him, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. Let them listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down on my own accord. I have authority to lay down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my father. In an article written by our own canon, the Reverend Justin Holcomb, he writes, the story doesn't end there. There is the hope. We celebrate at Easter, 
But for now, let's take a moment to acknowledge the suffering sacrifice of our Savior. We can give thanks to Jesus for his steadfast love and faithfulness that led him to lay down his life for you as a ransom. In the book titled A Fourth Course of Chicken Soup for the Soul, Ted Kruger writes about the only memory that lingers. I have many memories about my father and about growing up with him in our apartment next to the elevated train tracks. For 20 years, we listened to the roar of the train as it passed by his bedroom window. Late at night, we waited alone on the tracks for the train that took him to his job at a factory where he works the midnight shift. On this particular night, I waited with him in the dark to say goodbye. His face was grim. His youngest son had been drafted. I would be sworn in at six the next morning, too early, and my father was still working at the factory on his paper-cutting machine. My father had talked about his anger. He didn't want them to take his child, only 19 years old. I had never had a drink or smoked a cigarette. Now, I'm off to fight a war in Europe. He placed his hands on my slim shoulders. You be careful and call if you ever need anything, and I'll be sure that you get it. Suddenly, there was the rumble of an approaching train. He held me tightly in his arms and gently kissed me on the cheek. With tear-filled eyes, he murmured, I love you, my son. Then the train arrived, the doors closed him inside, and he disappeared into the night. One month later, at age 46, my father died. I am 76 as I sit and write this. I once heard Pete Hamill, the New York reporter, say that memories are man's greatest inheritance, and I have to agree. I've lived through four invasions of World War II. I've had a life full of all kinds of experiences. The only memory that lingers is of the night my father said, I love you, my son. 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Calvary, our Heavenly Father said, I love you, my child. From the book of Romans, God demonstrated his own love towards us and that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So do you have the answers to the questions I asked a few moments ago? They were questions about the cross, its meaning, and how you carry your cross. Kruger writes, I pray that you have received the gift that Jesus purchased for us on that day on Calvary. I pray that you know the freedom of eternal life and faith in the work that Jesus died for us over 2,000 years ago. So yes, it is truly finished, as Jesus gave up his last breath for our salvation. Amen.